All right, we're here. Another episode of No Timeouts. It's been a little while. Full swing into basketball. We got some playoff stuff coming, NFL playoff stuff coming later on in the week, um, as well as next week as the playoffs go. But for right now, um, we're going to talk a little basketball. Uh, you know, I've been avoiding this man for quite some time uh, <laughs> in terms of coming on to the podcast. Because last year did not, not end how I wanted uh, in many different respects. Uh, so Tashawn, this is not your first time on here. So, uh, yeah, I don't know how say, say, get everything you got to say off your chest now. And then we're going to leave it in 2020. Yeah, bro. It's been brewing for like a year and a half now, you know what I'm saying? Between the, the postponement of the season and everything, like, you know, I had to hold off, you know, I was getting, you know, I was getting confident that I was going to be right in March, but I had to wait and see. Um, but yeah, man, you was, you was really, high on the Clippers when it came together. I think along with everybody, like, yeah, I would kind of gas them up as, like, the most complete team in the league. And, like, even when they started off kind of rough, it was like, ah, nah, once, once they're both healthy in the playoffs, it'll all come together magically. Like, they'll be good. I mean, they don't even make it to the conference finals. Man. Like, that's independent <laughs> of, like, the Lakers, the Lakers no. winning, which was my point. Like, they didn't even make it to the conference finals. Yeah, and that's the one part I think that's disappointing. I think I got to the point like bubble or not, I feel like the Lakers probably would have won. But for the Clippers to not even make it to the conference finals, I don't think that would have happened. I mean, look, anything's possible, but I don't think that would have happened if the bubble didn't exist. I think they would have lost in the conference finals. Um, but you know what? It is what it is. I learned my lesson. I can't trust Paul George as far as I can throw him. Um, and that's that's really it. I mean, I do think that the Clippers are actually a little better, but so are the Lakers. So it's kind of a pretty similar – matchup I don't know you know Clippers Clippers got some size like I think Batum's actually kind of decent like I, I like Serge over Montrez actually for the Clippers specifically so they got a little more size they, they don't have a point guard still Luke Kennard's not good you know Lou Will's kind of unplayable in the playoffs as we've seen last year so I don't know I don't know if they actually close the gap at all but I still think they're the second best team so I don't know it I think they'll, down. they won't be embarrassed this time around even if they lose again yeah, it all comes down to Paul George. Like, he like right now he's like cooking, like playing like a top ten player. But we have to see in the playoffs: can he be like he's not as good as Anthony Davis, but can he be in Anthony Davis's like stratosphere in the playoffs? And so far in his career, he has not done that. You know, maybe he had a season or two with the Pacers where he was, you know, a pretty good player, but like he just doesn't. He's not the same guy, and I don't know what specifically the reason is and I don't think it was the bubble because he's done that outside of the bubble too with OKC recently so not a, yeah I mean the bubble was a little, was was disgraceful I mean I don't know I guess OKC he had that one game he scored five points but the bubble was disgraceful yeah so it's, it's really all on him like cause I have, I'm pretty confident in Kawhi and like you said they have some really good role players but they need Paul George to be a star like in the playoffs like he can't like he can't even just be like good. Like he has to be star yeah, to, to, to knock LeBron AD. No, that's not hundred percent true. And that actually is a great segue into um the theme of this podcast, five interesting things. We're each gonna give five things we find interesting. We'll take turns. Um I was gonna have you go first as a guest, but you know, we had to talk about the Lakers, so fuck you. <laughs> um so I'm gonna go first. And my first the first thing I had, well, one of the things I had on my list is Paul George. Um, I had Paul George back, question mark, question mark, because he's been playing really well. Um, and not just that he's been playing well, because in the regular season, he plays well 
in numerous occasions prior to this year. I mean, last year he had a good regular season before the playoffs, you know. The year in OKC when he scored at five points in the, the elimination game, he was third in MVP voting. So it's not like him playing good in the regular season is the news as much as, I don't know, at least he's kind of talking the talk in terms of having a different attitude um, in terms of, you know, I'm, I'm this, I'm that, I'm back, whatever, like, you know, and the play is kind of showing it as well. Like he's playing pretty aggressive and pretty confidently. Um, again, it's only like, it's the regular season at the end of the day. So I can't read too much into it, but it, it but I read enough into it. I guess it kind of, kind of perked me up a little bit. Yeah. I think the thing with Paul George, like the shift in his game, like since he had, you know, his like catastrophic leg injury, like he's become a player that shoots a lot more threes. And like, part of that is like the evolution of the league and, and people taking more threes than ever, but he takes damn near like 10 threes a game now, it seems like, but he's like super athletic and he has great size for his position and he's like skilled enough to where he can score out of the post if he wants to. And, you know, he's bigger than most people that are defending him. So you can take him to the rim. He's still explosive enough coming off that injury to, to finish um, over big men. And so I kind of, I think for him, like he kind of gets, like he settles a little bit too much, like when it comes to the three pointers. And I feel like if he, you know, I don't know if it's, you know, like a tendency he picked up because he, you know, he's hesitant because of what happened with his injury or not still these years later. But I think if he got more aggressive, like you were saying, like in the paint, like if he keeps that up, I think that's where like you'll see his consistency come in. Like not just when I mean, we've seen him do it throughout the regular season, but more so in the postseason. Cause like you're not going to get as many open threes in the postseason. Like you're going to have to hit more contested shots. But I think if he kind of starts playing inside out, especially since they have some pretty capable shooters on the Clippers where they don't need him to shoot like a ton of threes every game, then I think we'll see less of those like random dud performances. I feel like when he, like when he has like those single digit or even like, you know, mid team scoring games, he's like oh, yeah, shooting like 13 threes or something like that. And so yeah, that's definitely true. That's, and it's, it's funny you say that because, you know, his numbers are pretty similar, which is why I don't want to read too much into it in terms of his shots per game. Uh, from the from the field from three his free throws are all they're all pretty much the same from this year to last year the only big difference being is right now he's shooting 49 percent from three I mean last year he shot 41 so it's not like he's a bad shooter but obviously that's going to come down a little bit um, so it'll be interesting to see you know how he adjusts um, like you said because I think at the end of the day like it's all kind of mental with him I mean he even talked about you know kind of going through depression and this and that um not to take it lightly, but, you know, everything that he said um, in the bubble, you know what I mean? So it is – so a lot of it's mental. So it just – the whole point of this, at least for me, was it seemed like mentally more so than physically in terms of how he's playing, um, that he just seemed like in a better place. I don't know if that means long term, but it's, it's, it's at least encouraging that it's not a total uh, carryover from the bubble. Yeah, I agree. That it's probably mostly mental. I mean, like, when it just comes to talent and, like, both physical and, you know, skills, like, he has it all, you know, both from an offensive standpoint and being one of the best perimeter defense defenders in the league. And so there's nothing that, like, he doesn't, it's not like he's incapable of doing these things. It's just a matter of him putting it all together. Um, yeah, yeah. But, see, and that's how they, that's how they hoodwinked me. I bamboozled, led astray. 
they're just the whole team last year, Doc and Doc Rivers included, just weren't mentally there to, you know what I'm saying? Go, especially in the bubble, really uh, made that clear. You know, like it's like the, the bubble was, as everyone said, a different kind of grind um, in terms of like social aspect of not seeing anybody living in the same space as your teammates and opponents and all that stuff. Um, so already coming into it, not necessarily superly, super mentally as strong as like the Lakers or whatever. Like, I think that was a even bigger disadvantage for them. So I don't know. They shook up some things, new coaching stuff. So I don't know. At the end of the day, we got to see, I guess Paul George is trying to be like that vocal leader because Kawhi is not that guy. So we'll see. It's, it's something, it's on my radar, you know, it's on my radar. I, I'm still, I'm trying to hold out hope to see what team's going to make the West competitive. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I think that kind of transition into my my, next, my point. Like, I don't think it's a team that will be, like, in the, the championship contender ranks this season. But um, one of my five was the Phoenix Suns so far this year. Uh, and, you know, I'm not, I'm not, it's not too much about, like, what the record is. Like, they're five and two. But, like, it's, you know, it's the first two weeks of the season. Like, that doesn't really matter. It's more so, uh, you know, how they've looked against some of the, better teams in the league like they, they beat the Nuggets like they they played the, the Clippers pretty competitively um you know and they beat some quality teams so far but I think I'm kind of on board with them being kind of similar to what OKC was last year um you know with Chris Paul coming over like uh you know just have a, a ton of depth I think and really good role players um but the difference, I think, between them and OKC last year is, is opposite of CP3. They have a legitimate star in, in Devin Booker. Um, kind of, He's not in his prime, but he's, like, on the upswing getting there. And so um, while Chris Paul is, like, I think you would say he's the, the leader of this team and, um, you know, he's he's kind of able to take a little bit of a backseat, I think, this year to Devin Booker um, just in terms of, like, who the best player on the team is. And, um, like, he doesn't have to, you know, lead the offense and you know get 10 assists and also score 20 points for them to win like I think this season he's averaging like 13 or, or something like that and so I just think the Suns um I'm still a little bit questionable about like their defense and like you know especially in the playoff series how they hold up but I think they could be like a sneaky like five six seed this season the way it's shaping up and they can get somebody a run depending on on the matchup to make it tough but I think that's probably been one of the just when it comes in terms like the up-and-coming teams uh, maybe not this year but in years to come that could be kind of a difference maker I think they're kind of starting to turn into one of those yeah it's kind of weird because like yeah like you said like in a year or two they could really be something but also in a year or two like what's Chris Paul going to be or is he even going to be on the team so it's kind of weird that like Chris Paul's kind of like has a window but the rest of the team kind of had a different window um so that'll be interesting. But I do agree that they're definitely been good. Um, they, they play the Clippers really well. Uh, I, I wish they had a, a backup point guard other than Cameron Payne. I'd feel more confident in them as a team. Like they're one, you know, knock on wood, Chris Paul hamstring away from being pretty mediocre. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, because, I mean, we have to think before the bubble, like, they, like this is basically the same team last year. And before the bubble, they – you know, were like the 12th seed or the 11th seed. Like, they weren't good, you know what I mean? Like, which is a testament to how good Chris Paul is in terms of really elevating them. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. The Suns, the Suns are definitely cool. I mean, at the very least, they're fun to watch. You know, Devin Booker's good. 
Um, you know, I liked him, you know, as this relates to my first point, talking shit to Paul George, which was hilarious. Uh, Paul George talking shit to Chris Paul. That was that was good. My, my thing with the Suns, I think, is interesting, um, especially just going forward, not just this year, not just this year um, is how good uh, DeAndre Ayton is going to be. Because I right. think they took a they took a big risk um, taking him first and passing on Luca, um, you know, which in retrospect I wouldn't have done. But I mean, if you feel like you know you want Devin Booker to kind of be that guy and you know not confident that Luca can play off ball or whatever, I don't really know. I mean, to me, like the talent is kind of undeniable. But regardless of that, I'm not gonna slander them for taking DeAndre Ayton in the same way we slander the Kings for taking Bagley, you know. Uh, ahead of Luca, um, first and second, but um, yeah, it's just going to be interesting to see, I guess, how he progresses or what he can end up doing or not doing, because uh, you know his numbers aren't great so far, um, but you know he's kind of like the third option. So, you know, aside from that, like his defense is kind of average. Um, there's not really anything that I see that I'm like, okay, he's like really good at doing this one thing, you know, like he's pretty solid all around, but there's not like, he doesn't have a go-to move or like anything that really, I don't know, stands out. That's like, okay, like this is a future all-star type of player, you know? So I think that's like going to be, because Devin Booker's locked in. And then as long as they have Chris Paul, he's going to be locked in, but like, you know, they don't really have another scoring guard, off their bench they like all their wings are kind of catch and shoot guys so their really only third option is deandre Ayton. so you know they're going to need him to be consistent like this year and you know once chris paul leaves and it's just back to devin booker and Ayton as a as a duo you know he's gonna have to be an all-star for them to really to real for devin booker to not want to leave right and i think i think Ayton like he has the tools to where I could I could convince myself into believing that he could be like a maybe like a seventeen, eighteen, and ten guy one day. I mean that's what he was know, last year for you. Yeah, but like have that plus, you know, progress maybe a little bit more as a defender, um, come become a more complete player. Um and then I think I think C B three he more so can like like I think even after he's no longer with the Suns, um you know, he can kind of, as an older guy, they have a really young team, so he can kind of, you know, impart some of his wisdom into them, the guys like Booker and Aiden, some of the other younger guys. But I think also if they're competitive, you know, for two, three, four years, and like a, a legitimate playoff team um, and show they're serious about winning, it can kind of have that effect that it did for the Clippers, kind of when they were, you know, past the live city days and, you know, they were like, a scrappy like around 50 win team and you know you can kind of see the pieces except for the difference with the sun that they, they have a you know a guy that we know was a star in booker and so um i don't I'm, i don't think you know phoenix is never going to become like a free agent destination but i think we're starting to see more guys kind of go where they just think they can win rather than like it has to be the bigger city or you know the most noted franchise or whatever it may be i think you know, once that CP3 contract comes off the books, if they're able to, you know, go get another Devin Booker or somewhere around their type player in that tier and pair them together and then Aiden can just be a third, you know, third option, then I think that's when they could, you know, and by then assuming, you know, guys like LeBron are starting to slow down and be out the league and the West kind of starts to open up for that next generation, I think that's when they could 
maybe take that take that next leap. Like it's not guaranteed. I'm just saying that I think they kind of have. Right. Yeah, at least they have a path. You know, it's it's a some type of road. They weren't even on. They even have a road to travel on at, at first. So I definitely feel that. My whole thing is like, like this. Like at the end of the day, this is the number one pick. You know, like it's kind of hard. I think I feel like people don't really look at him that way. But I mean, he was he was a number one mm-hmm. pick. So like. I don't know. I feel like, you know, if he was a second rounder doing all this stuff, the, the narrative would be very different. Um, right. Obviously, there's a number one pick, you know, like you got to be putting up and, and as big as he is. Like, I don't know. I just wish he was a little more aggressive sometimes or just like use his body more. I don't really know what the type type terminology is. I don't want to, you know, tell people how to play or whatever. But I don't know. I just feel like there's something that's just kind of missing in terms of him being like having any sort of like dominant type impact, you know. Like, I just feel like he's cool. Like, he gets his numbers. Um, and he's just kind of – like, he's big. You know what I mean? He rebounds pretty well. But I don't know. It's just something missing that I hope um, – you know, he's super young. I mean, he's like 21 or 22. So, obviously, you know, no one's, you know, saying he can't do this or that. But, I don't know, at least for them, especially, you know, given that he's a number one pick. And you know as a number one pick and he's playing pretty well. He's in the third year of his rookie deal. So, in like two years, they're basically going to have to give him the max, the rookie max. Right. Um, with how that works. So then all of a sudden, now you got two max guys. It's going to be kind of hard to slide in that third max guy when you got like quality players also, you know what I mean? It's not like they got two max guys and scrubs. Like they're like, they're going to, they're going to be kind of trying to move. Like they can offer or they have Chris Paul right now because DeAndre Aiden is on his rookie deal, you know? So like once once you got to get DeAndre Aiden his money, it's going to be harder to get that third guy. So I think it's going to be, I think they're going to rely on him more to be like that, that second guy than anything. I don't think you can just plan for him to be the third guy and just, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, we're just going to, we're just going to get someone better than DeAndre Ayton. I don't, I don't know. I don't know where they're, I don't know where those, where those guys are going to be at. Yeah, it depends. Like I think, uh, you know, if he shows flashes of being able to be that second guy either this year or next year, then, you know, they'll probably be on board with, when it comes to the max deal. But I do think teams. Man, he's getting that max deal regardless. Don't even do that. Oh, because like I don't know. Like I got like after. So what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? You gonna let him walk? I mean, don't you? In retrospect, you're just, like, hey, you, look, the only thing I'm signing is a max contract. What are they gonna do? Say, okay, fine, we're not gonna give you the max, so you can just walk. I'm not saying like I, I use an example. Like I'm not saying he's as bad as Wiggins, but like the Timberwolves in retrospect, if you told them like, all right, would you rather give him the 133 million max or let him walk? We just let him walk, I think. I mean, that's easy to say in, in hindsight, though. In, in the moment, you just got a number one pick. You already had a bust at a number, a, a different number one pick in Anthony Bennett. So you're even more invested in Wiggins. You can't have two number one picks and within their rookie contract not be on the team. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sure. So, like, and, and like you said, Wiggins is way worse than you. Like, DeAndre Aiden's actually productive in some aspect. You know what I mean? At least Wiggins is not – this even if he's putting up numbers, is like, doing dumb stuff and, like, having – like, like Aiden is much better than him. So, I don't even want to yeah. really put him in that conversation. But also, like I said, and you have to consider – you have to give him the max because Devin Booker is trying to win. Yeah, you feel me? Sure. Like, you're not operating on much of leverage to be like, yeah, we're just going to – we're going to negotiate and then blow – like, no, like, you have to give him the max. Like, that's just how these things work. Even if he doesn't necessarily deserve it, give him the max, hoping that he – in that within that contract – deserves it yes sir so look at look at us coming to civil agreements 
Uh, <laughs> what's, my, what's my next thing? Oh, here we go. This is a good one. Uh, I think we actually told, we actually brought, well, I brought him up. Uh, Marvin Bagley, um, and not just Marvin Bagley the third, but Marvin Bagley Jr., his dad, tweeting that uh, Marvin Bagley needs to get traded. Um, and not so just so that storyline plus the Kings just like just not being good at all, uh, which is a little not totally surprising, but they just lost to, by 30 to the Warriors. So that was a little surprising. But just the whole storyline of Marlon Bagley's dad trying to talk about he needs to get traded. And then Darren Fox's dad, like, yeah, okay, yeah, I agree. Like, could you imagine, <laughs> you know, like any other team, like, like they're the king, so people don't care that much. But like, imagine if you know it's the Celtics, and and Jalen Brown is like, yeah, you know what? Like, I'm I don't like it here. Like, trade me. His dad's like, trade me. And then Jason Tatum's mom goes on Twitter. Is like, yeah, I agree. Trade him. Like, what? Yeah, yeah. This is like some like college sports type stuff. Like, you would more so see this like a five star recruit goes to a big school and and doesn't get playing time, so their parents going off on Twitter. Like, that's you know that's that's understandable. Like, this is the NBA, bro. <laughs> like, what do you? And it, and I I find it hard to believe that. Like, I'm sure Bagley's been playing it off and all that, but like he he's not unaware that his dad like intended to go do that, and then you know doesn't have some kind of like agreement with what he's saying. Like, I'm sure he would have been like, "Yo, dude, oh yeah, I'm sure it's coming from somewhere." Yeah, and so but the thing that gets me is like Bagley ain't nice enough to be doing all this or have this kind of message associated with him like the kings are what's holding him back like don't get me wrong like the kings they're one of those weird teams where like it seems like they're drafting high every year and they just never get better and even when they drafted Bagley it seemed a little weird um just because Luca made so much more sense for them um even though I wasn't like I, I I you know like honestly wasn't I didn't foresee Luca being what he was, but I still thought it was strange they took Bagley over him. Uh, and, you know, he is kind of out of place there, I guess. Like, they aren't really – like, his playing time has never been consistent. He's also been hurt a lot, which is a factor in that. And it's, it's Yeah, like that's a big thing. And hurt so much. But when, even when he's out there, like, he doesn't – like, he's like – I mean, he has good stretches, it. but then he's hurt again. Yeah, but it's like he can't shoot. He's inefficient. Like he's not really that a defender. So like, what do you? Definitely, like he's definitely a not a defender. But at least last year, he was definitely scoring. He, he, you know, what I'm saying he was definitely scoring. Um, but yeah, he's like, he's like in that weird because he's not, he can't shoot, so it's kind of weird to play him at power forward in the NBA today. But he's not big enough to play center e- either. Yeah. So he's definitely like in that weird in between, uh, and it, and it, you know, makes even less sense in retrospect on the Luca thing because the whole thing was they didn't want they didn't think Luca and De'Aaron Fox could play next to each other because you know they're both ball handlers or whatever like it was just just dumb logic all around yeah and I think with him like he's just kind of he might be one of those players that's in the wrong era like like even like early 2000s like a, a power forward with his size that can't shoot is like not that not the big deal like if you can give me like 15 and 10 like we're cool but like Given how high they drafted him and the fact that they still suck, and now they're starting to get this off the court stuff, off the court distractions. Um, which the Kings don't get like the Kings do their fair share of like fumbling the bag and like doing a bunch of crazy stuff. It isn't like a, a great organization that 
he's just wilding. So I'm not saying he has no credence when it comes to like wanting to get out of there and maybe think he could perform better elsewhere, but um, it's just not a, like it's, obviously it's not a good look. Like I think he'd be better off handling it privately, like, especially like, having your dad tweet. Like for one, like he's a young dude, but like he can, you can speak for yourself, you know, like you can go request a trade or say what you want to in a press conference or whatever. It just comes off kind of like, I don't want to say soft, but it's like, like you still need a dad to speak for you, bro. You know, so I think he would be better. He would have been better off just like behind closed doors, requesting a trade and seeing if they would oblige with the. Hey, hey, man! Instead, it's all Lavar Ball. Instead, let's make it happen. <laughs> what send him to the what the Pelicans? Uh, I don't. I don't know. He just used the Lavar Ball strategy. Just say some shit in public. Uh, yeah, I guess, but. I don't know. I mean, I, I look. I think it was a good idea. That's my only. I don't know. I don't know how else it makes sense. I guess, especially on Twitter. Yeah. Didn't you deleted the tweet and then retweeted someone who had a screenshot of the tweet? It was just weird. Yeah, and with the funny part, like the funniest part of the story is De'Aaron Fox's dad coming in, like, yeah, Trent. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it sucks. Because <laughs> that lets you know Fox is like, yeah, you ass, bro, like. <laughs> like, please, the Fox is good. Yeah. I don't know if he's but they doing all of us a favor. Yeah. All right. What's your yeah. next thing? My next one, um, speaking of Luca, is kind of kind of associated with him forever. Um, Trey Young and how he's played this season, and it's not really that much different than what he was doing last season. It's about the same, actually, statistically. Uh, but the major difference is the Hawks have had the look of being maybe a competent. NBA team for once and having a chance to sneak in. Um, it's like an AC in the playoffs, um, which isn't a big deal. But given how bad they've been, it is a, a big step forward. And I think their team overall with adding uh, Gallo and uh, Bogdanovich, um, and kind of John Collins being back after being suspended last year. Um, and Capella, too. Yeah, he didn't really Uncle play for, I mean, he was last year, but he didn't really play for him until now. Right, and then it looks like Cam Reddish is like shake, shaking off his like rookie nerves and is being like decent. Um, yeah, DeAndre like, Hunter looks like the best one out of that group. Yeah, and then DeAndre uh, better. And even the uh, the I forgot the guy's name. The shoot uh, Herder, I think Kevin Herder Herd, off yeah, the John bench. Herd. Yeah, yeah, well, they, they have a bunch of like solid young players on like rookie contracts to where they can grow together and then they, they're starting to get some of the, the b- bigger guys that cost more money as well um so they kind of got an even mix now like the younger guys and and the vets and then trey young kind of leading it off with his play um you know even though they've gotten better he's still playing at the same level um kind of makes me wonder if you know, if the, the Hawks go on to make the playoffs this year and he's playing like he's playing, does that start to shift the narrative around Trey Young? Because I think so far it's been, he's just, you know, he's putting up these great numbers and he's no doubt talented, but like he's not a winner because his team sucks, which I always thought was like a little bit unfair because it's like the Hawks suck. Like unless you're like LeBron James, like the Hawks were not going to be a playoff team, you know, with a young right. star. Um, and then there's always going to be the urge to compare him to Luka, but you see in the Mavericks right now, obviously it's a small sample size, like with Porzingis out, 
like Luca isn't playing as well and they're not playing as well. So like who's to say that like Luca wouldn't be if he was on the worst team that he wouldn't be putting up crazy numbers and the team would suck. You know what I'm saying? So uh, Well, I don't know. Well, I'll I'll just say that last year Porzingos has hurt a lot and he still took him to the playoffs. So, so I mean, I don't, and in the East, I don't know. I feel like he could probably take them to the playoffs. But, I mean, the Hawks weren't good. And the one thing I'll say about the Hawks, even this year, in terms of their narrative and Trey Young's narrative, is like they're playing no type of defense. And I think if they play the wrong team in the playoffs, or really any good team, assuming that they're like a seven seed or an eight seed, uh, that, that for the first time might really get exposed as a real flaw in his game. I think people don't really – people kind of overlook it because it doesn't really yeah. matter when you're losing anyway, you know, about his individual defense, you know, like if he's just getting caught in hell, just they're just screening him switch. And now he's on a bigger guy the whole time. Now they have to double, like, you know what I mean? Like they're, and, and, they're, and it doesn't help that their team defense isn't good either. It's not like they have a Rudy Gobert or something in the back end to make up the difference. Like their whole team is average at best individually on defense. Uh, so that, you know, the narrative could actually go multiple ways in terms of, like, yes, like, they might be winning more, so he might not be necessarily considered, like, a quote-unquote, like, losing player. Um, but also there might be questions of can you win a ring with Trey Young as your best player type thing, you know? Yeah. And I, like, I have no illusions. Like, he's a terrible defender, like, obviously. And, uh, especially in a league where, you know, point guards are pretty much – like, obviously, the small forwards are the best players in the league right now, but, like, there's so many good point guards on a nightly basis. And they can like all score. Point, right. And if your point guard is terrible on defense, not just being like, okay, but like terrible on defense, like that's a huge liability. And to account for that, you kind of have to, and people compare like Trey to Steph a lot, but even Steph is like, an average, I would say he's at least a league average defender. If not a little yeah, better. I would say Steph. Yeah, um, Steph, is, yeah, Steph gets, gets talked about too much. He's not, his defense isn't bad. Yeah, so it's like unless Cam Reddish or DeAndre Hunter can slide over and guard the opposing point guard, then Trey Young's just going to be feasted on. And they may be able to, like I don't know, like it depends on nightly basis. But right, um, I mean, they just go out of their way to make sure that they hide him on the worst possible offensive player for the other team, which is yeah. fine, you know. what I'm saying in the regular season because there's a lot of teams that have like one guy who kind of is like only catch and shoot. You know what I mean? Like not somebody who can create their own shot, but like. You go in the playoffs, they play the Bucks. Who are you going to put them on? You can, I guess you can pray and put them on Dante DiVincenzo, but like he can kind of hoop a little bit. Like, And then if you're yeah. switching everything, you know what I'm saying, and he's on Chris Middleton or Drew Holiday, like, God bless. Yeah, and, like, he definitely, like, he's not he going to change. Yeah, he's not going to change physically, though. Like, he's not all of a sudden going to be, like, you know, 6'6 six, six and have long arms and be able to, you know, defend better. But, like, I think he could try harder on defense. Like, I think a lot of it, That's part true. of it is physical tools, but it is also effort. And so now that he, like, the offense is still obviously primarily flowing through him, but they aren't completely relying on him to get buckets. Like, they have people that get, can get buckets. So he really doesn't have that same level of excuse where he's, like, uh, I got to give it all offense. I, I don't got any energy left for defense. Like, no, you probably do. So, like, that's exactly. one improvement. That's one improvement that I still want to see from him is like increased effort on defense. And maybe as the season, like, it's, you know, it's a regular season. Like, guys only try so hard on defense from night to night. But like, maybe once it gets more serious in the playoff race and he gets into the playoffs, to show a little bit of improvement on on the effort side of defense. I think that's probably the one thing I want to see from him. But I just kind of think, you know, if he's able to get the Hawks into the playoffs this year, I think that's a positive step forward for him as a player. No, for sure. Yeah, last thing I'll say on that, like, and to your point, it's just like, 
he just has to be average on defense. You know what I mean? Like, we're not asking him to be locked down by any means. Like, just don't be a liability, you know? Like, and there's some games you out there, like, you're watching them, like, yeah, they might, you know, they'll win or lose 140 to 130. And, like, like that's all cool, but it's like, uh, you know, you know, y'all could be playing defense too. Just, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, all right, so let's see. My turn again. Which one do I want to pick? All right, I'll go with the I'll go with the Rockets. Uh, I did it as a whole. I mean, because they just have so many things going on uh, that I found interesting. Obviously, the James Harden thing is very obvious. But even above that, like they actually look like they could be pretty good. Like John Wall is pretty solid. You know, like he came back and he's mm-hmm. like about as good as you would hope that someone coming off an Achilles would be. No, pretty similar to KD. Like if you don't want to say he's a hundred, he's at minimum ninety percent of how good he was prior. You know. Uh, Christian Wood, like, as you know, the fucking steal of the free agency, uh, three years, $41 million, and he's, you know, he's putting up 25 and 10 right now. Obviously, you know, small sample size, but even last year when he was starting, he was putting up 20 and 10 on Detroit, which, you know, baffles me as to why they let him walk but then sign Mason Plumley instead. I'll never understand that. And, you know, the money, the money was not that much of a difference. Mason Plumlee is getting eight million, and Christian Woods getting like twelve, or uh, or like thirteen. Like, I mean, I, I don't understand. I mean, shit. I wish the Spurs got him. We'll talk about them later. But the Rockets, I don't know. Like, part of me feels like they're super talented. Like, they have a really good starting five, or final or closing five, I should say, with Wall, Eric Gordon, James Harden, Christian Wood, and like PJ Tucker or Daniel House. Like, like any combination of those five players. But it's like. It just is. It's it's rough when your best player like, clearly doesn't want to be there. He's not trying his hardest on defense. Like, it's just kind of hard. So, like, what do they do? You know, like mm-hmm. they're kind of good enough to kind of ride it out a little bit, like so they don't have to trade James Harden on some Kawhi Leonard shit. But like, it's kind of at the point where they kind of need to trade him. Yeah, and that's one of my one of my points was going to be the the James Harden trade request and whether if the Rockets were good enough this season, could they change their mind? But my stance on that is no, just because, like, they're not a championship team, which is, you know, what he wants at this point in his career. Um, But I do kind of – I'm on the side of the Rockets kind of playing it out. Because, like you said, um, you know, with them being – having some pretty good pieces this year um, and having Harden. I mean, even though he isn't trying hard, he's averaging 33 and 11. Look, he's still getting his numbers and getting his buckets. I don't want to. I don't want to say that he's like being ass or just like not caring or nothing like that. I'm just saying the intensity isn't necessarily there that you would that you would hope for from your best player. Yeah, That's I'm all. just saying like if they he's keep Harden, right? They keep Harden this year, and they show that um, with their new coach, um, you know, putting his system on display and, and some of the new pieces that they added and showing what they have to, you know other you know potential guys they may trade Harden for uh like you'll, you'll say theoretically like if they trade Harden for, for Ben Simmons and that Philly deal like obviously Simmons is under contract but like at some point he's going to have the option of like all right do I want to dip to you know and so if they can kind of you know show that they have the kind of structure of you know well Harden doesn't want to be here but you can come into this and take it over and be the guy and have success here like, I think there's some value in that, especially if they aren't getting the deals that they want right now. Because, like, 
you know, I know we just saw, you know, Anthony Davis forced his way out when he had multiple years left and all that. But, you know, Harden has this year, he has next year, and then he has a player option in the third year. So they would have to trade him, you know, by next year, of course. But you know, I don't think it would hurt them. Like, James Harden isn't going to stop being James Harden this year. So, like, next summer, he's he's still going to have, you know, insane trade value as one of the, you know, top five, top six players in the league. And, you know, I, I feel like, you know, if they go to trade him then and just get the best possible package, I think that's still a, a good move. You know, like I said, it just sounds like they aren't getting what they want in terms of players and the package of picks coming together. So maybe that changes in the offseason and they get what they want then. But I think, you know, it'd be beneficial for them to kind of see what they have in these guys. Um, obviously, the, the, all these guys are benefiting from having Harden on the court. You know, he draws a ton of attention so that, you know, it's easier for them to, to do what they do when it comes to Wood and Wall and Gordon and those kind of guys. And so, you know, I think that's, I think getting them those reps is valuable, even though Harden doesn't want to be there. Like, and you, you're probably not going anywhere in the playoffs, but like if you trade them, you probably aren't going anywhere anyway, you know? So I'm kind of on the side of, cause I know a lot of people like pressing me. I just do the deal. Like he doesn't want to be there. He's wilding. Like just take what you can get now. And like, I don't think they need to rush. You know, if, if this was oh, a yeah, there's no contract. Yeah. No, I agree for sure. There's no rush. I mean, you could argue in some respects, um, that this on paper is like one of, if not the best team that they put around him in Houston. You know, if Christian Wood keeps playing as good as he is and John Wall keeps playing as good as he is and they still have Eric Gordon and Daniel House, they don't necessarily have like the deep bench or anything like that, but they have a good team. Um, you know, it's just something is just off with them chemistry-wise, defensively-wise, where they're not like, I feel like they're not playing up to their potential. And it's just, you know, probably because they got so much shit going on, you know, with the whole Harden situation. Um, but yeah, I don't know. We'll see. It's interesting. I definitely agree with you though, that, you know, they, they have no, they kind of, they have a lot of leverage right now in terms of waiting to find an actual good deal for him, you know, whether it be up to the trade deadline this year, um, or, you know, before the draft next year, uh, things like that. Like they have Portland's pick as well after trading Covington. Um, so they, they're actually not in the worst position in the world. Um, but it's just like, I don't know. This is like, what are they, you know what I mean? Like at this point, they, they, they just look like they're lined up to lose in the first or second round again, you know? Yeah. So it's like, you kind of have to make a decision on what we're doing here. You know, John Wall's at the point now where, you know, next year he'll, he'll only have three years left on his deal. And, you know, obviously it's still not a great deal, but it's not one of the worst contracts in the league anymore. You know, like they could definitely flip him for something if they were just like, we're going to trade hard and, trade wall full rebuild like they could right. get something for wall at this point if he you know assuming he stays healthy like he's good he definitely looks athletic so they so they just they just have to pick a direction you know what i mean like if, if harden wants to stay locked in then maybe they could trade that portland pick for another big or something like that because they are missing like one piece i think um in terms of their depth um but they have to do something they're like in that weird like middle ground of like you don't know what you're going to get from them either night like if you're playing them, like they might, you might beat them by twenty. They might beat you by twenty, just depending. Yeah, yeah, that definitely was one of those teams. Like ever since that year where they blew it against the Warriors, like they've been kind of stuck in that space to me. Like they're a pretty good team because they have you know one of the best players in the league, but like they're not really a title contender. And like that's still better than a lot of teams. Like don't get me wrong, that's you know I'd rather be that than be terrible. <laughs> you know year after year, like the Kings or something like that, but. I had a question about Christian Wood because, like, uh, I forget who it was on their team, but somebody compared him 
to Anthony Davis. And <laughs> have you seen him play? Have I, you watched Chris Wood play? I've I've seen I haven't seen him play like a full regulation game, like start to finish, but I've seen like highlights. Um, which I was, you, know, you can only take so much away from highlights, but like, like I kind of get what they're saying. It's like they're similar size, and you know he he can shoot really well for his size and kind of handle the rock a little bit. But I think they need to point the brakes a little bit. Like I think he, I think oh, he can yeah. be like, a, I think he can be like he can, he has all star potential for sure. I think. I oh think yeah, he yeah. Like uh, he definitely isn't. Force. He definitely isn't as good as Anthony Davis. I mean, for one, his defense is nowhere near as good. So you can yeah. just start. Well, I'm not right saying there. good as good as him right now. They're just saying like or ever. He will. His defense cone. will never be. I mean, because one. I mean, one. He's not super young. He's like 26. He's been on like five or six different teams. Like it's not like he's uh, like 22 or something. Like not to say that he okay. can't get any better, but he kind of is entering his prime. Um, but yeah, defensively, he'll never be Anthony Davis, like just off rip. And offensively, he actually is really good, but he's more of like the type where he isn't like a great ISO. Like I wouldn't necessarily just have him ISOing, you know what I'm saying? How you can just have AD ISO and he just does a step back jumper like it's nothing. Like he's not like that, but like if you do him pick and roll and just give him a pick and pop, like he's knocking down that three or he's going to mm-hmm. go to the rim and finish. Like, you know, like he and he, he plays strong. Like he definitely is really good, but not Anthony Davis. I mean, I guess. I mean, not going to say I see it, but, like, they're both very unique in terms of being, like, essentially seven-foot um, bigs, but also looking comfortable shooting threes and dribbling. Like, Christian Wood can dribble the ball up the floor fine. Um, definitely watch him play, though. He's He is he is really good. I can't – like, his contract literally is three years, $41 million, and I have no idea how that happened. Yeah, I was surprised. Like, even as limited as my knowledge was of him, like, from what I could gather from, like – people that I know that are Pistons fans and like his stats and looking at the clips that I did, it's like he basically went for like Montrez or Harrell money. Like essentially. Like, I, mean, I guess it was just well. like yeah, I guess he didn't hadn't played enough to like really prove it. I'm not really sure, but it like I said, they really got a steal. But um what's your next what's your next one? My next one is Kevin Durant. Just hold on wait before we continue, how many do you have left? Then you did you agree with me on one? Uh well yeah Harden was my was gonna be my third oh yeah so so you have what this one and one more yeah all right go ahead I guess you we'll said in order yeah no, just Kevin Kevin Durant yeah Kevin Durant like I'll be honest like when he tore his Achilles in the finals I thought that was like the last time we would see KD being KD like I thought that. Like, I, I thought that him being as tall as he is and being able to shoot as well as he can, like, I, I thought he would still be a good player after it, but I didn't think right. we would ever see, like, superstar, I could be the best player in the world on any given night, KD. And it's early in the season, of course, like, you know, we're, we're super early, but he still looks like Kevin Durant, and that is insane to me. Like, he's averaging 28. 51% from the field and 45% from three. Like, those percentages probably won't hold up. But, like, it, it doesn't really look like he's dunking. Like, it's not like he's, you know, not athletic anymore. He's playing defense still. Like, the Nets as a whole are not playing defense and, and are kind of whatever so far to start the season. But just KD being himself coming off an Achilles tear, like, that is, like, probably the most impressive thing this NBA season so far to me. Yeah, and he didn't take quite as long as, as John Wall. But, like, even still, like, John Wall came off the Achilles tear and is looking better. Like, you know, I guess as time goes on, 
um, you know, these things get better. You know, there's a point in time when if someone tore their ACL, like they were done, they were never the same, blah, blah, blah. And now someone tells right. their ACL, and you just kind of assume like next year it'll be the same. Uh, so maybe we're getting to that point with the Achilles. Um, I definitely do. I mean, obviously, you know, can't really disagree. I agree, you know, Kevin Durant has looked amazing. Um, but I don't know. The Nets are just so up and down. I do think that Spencer Dinwiddie being out is going to, it has hurt them and will continue to hurt them a lot more than I think people assumed because everyone was like, oh, well, they still got Karis Alert. But it's like, mm-hmm. It just, it, it just throws off their whole team. I think the biggest thing, the biggest advantage they had, and I think that it's the one advantage they had over pretty much every team in the NBA, was that at any given time, they had the three guys on the court who could go get you a bucket or go get somebody else a bucket or run a pick and roll between Kyrie, KD, and then Spencer did what he is at third. And then if one of them was out, then Karis LeVert could come in. Um, so at worst, it was like two on the court. But really, when it came down to it in all the important moments, it was three people on the court who you felt comfortable running an offense through. Um, so now they didn't really have that anymore. You know, I saw a rumor that they were like trying to get like George Hill from OKC, which wouldn't be bad um, in terms of su- supplementing Spencer Dinwiddie's loss. Because I do think because um, all the other guys on their on their team that are, you know, guard, guards or wings like Joe Harris or Torian Prince or you know, whatever, like they're not really, um, you know, dribblers, you know, they're just kind of catch and shoot kind of guys. And that was because they had three or four guys that could dribble, you know, they didn't really need anymore, but now one's gone. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of hard to just put that load, at least now, you know, we'll see in the, you know, come playoffs, but, you know, going through the regular season, you know, they're relying on Levert a lot more, but he's still kind of adjusting being a six man and still being kind of like that role guy, third player option behind KD. Um, and Kyrie, I think Spencer did what he was a little more comfortable being that, that third guy. Um, so, yeah, so now I was very confident that Brooklyn was going to be, you know, like in the Eastern Conference Finals. Now, you know, unless they make a move, I, I don't know. They, they kind of fell back to, to the pack with everyone else. Like, I, I, I felt very confident that they could beat Milwaukee, you know, with Spencer Dinwiddie. Now, like, it's kind of a toss-up. Same thing, you know, like kind of with Philly, you know. Yeah. I think they could still come out of the East. But no, they still can. I'm it's, just it's not still more diff- going to be more difficult. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not nearly as confident. Because, like, just – I'm still – you know, like, I, the Bucks, I'm not sold, really. Like, they did yeah, get better still- for sure, getting Drew Holiday. Like, he's nice, don't get me wrong, on both ends. Um, and he gives them – and uh, Middleton is playing crazy to start the season. Um, I don't know if that's going to hold up, but – between, you know, those two and obviously Giannis, like, that's a really strong three. And I think the Nets, they would have been close to that if they had Dinwiddie for, for you know, the best three in the East. But I just – the Bucks in the playoffs, man. It's like, I don't know. I don't know if it's Coach Bud or if it's Giannis not being able to really score. And when I like – obviously, I know he scores 30 points per game, but, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. having, you know, the ability like to, to score when he needs to get a bucket. Yeah. And right. so – I think they can be beat still. I think the Nets could be the team to do it just because oh, yeah. they have. There's, there's no, there's no clear winner. I honestly, I thought the Nets were closest to a clear favorite that we had before Spencer. Now, now I think you know, I think we're kind of making the same point. It's like they're all kind of in that same tier between the Bucks, the Nets, uh, maybe Philly, uh, probably Miami, probably Miami. You know, assuming they get their stuff together to kind of start off a little slow, got that bubble mm-hmm. hangover. But now it's just like, you know. 
Boston is kind of right there with them at this point, even though I don't, you know, they kind of need Kemba Walker, but you know, now it's kind of, it's, it's definitely more of a, a crapshoot again. Yeah. It used to be fun to watch for sure. Though. Like between those like five teams, like yeah. And so have, the are good. yeah, like there's genuine parody out there. Like you don't really, I'm not a hundred percent sure on who's going to make it to the finals. And I guess it was kind of like that last year, but especially with, you know, the Nets having KD back, looking how he's looking, you know, there's another team in the mix. Right. Uh, what's what's your next one? Oh no, wait. You did you did yours. Yours, KD. Um, okay, we'll stay in the East. Um, Jalen Brown. I I put this on my list because I wanted to gloat. <laughs> because I always knew, I always believed in him. I always knew that he'd be a, a future star in the league, even when he was doubted. Um, but no, in all seriousness, he really is playing like crazy. Like he's like, it'd be hard to say right now that he's not better than Jason Tatum. It's like, obviously, you know, going forward, who knows, but I'm just saying so far to start the season, it'd be hard to say, like, if you were looking at the Celtics and you'd never seen them play before, it'd be hard to say that Jalen Brown wasn't better or, or the best player that they had. Um, and that's really, I mean, he's been playing that good. So, you know, like not that people have been talking about the, James Harden to Boston trade scenario possibility, just like kind of throwing them out there. But I don't think Jalen Brown's too good to to do that now. I think if you're Boston, um, you know, because they would still have to probably add Marcus Smart and some picks or whatever. Like that's just probably too much for James Harden. Um, yeah. But yeah, but just in general, like I've just been like every year he's gotten better and better, and he's still getting better. You know what I'm saying? Like he's really he's already he always was good on defense. He always was athletic, but now he's like really putting it together with his handle. He's got a real jumper, like a fadeaway three pointer. Like he he is slowly becoming someone who like doesn't really have many holes in their games. I mean, to the the biggest thing that's holding him back is that is that he's on a team with somebody who's probably a little better than him, Jason Tatum, in terms of not being able to like be the closer, you know. But like even even the game that Jason Tatum hit that game when he shot. Uh, I forget who we were playing. Uh, the most recent one. Yeah, the most recent one, like a couple of days ago. Uh, but Jalen Brown hit the three to tie the game. You know, what I'm saying before right. Jason Tatum won the game. You know, um, you know Jason Tatum kicked it out to him. He knocked down, the, knocked down the three to tie it. So I don't know. I, I hit, you know, part of it was like me being happy that I was right um, and thinking that Jalen Brown was going to be good like two, three years ago when it was kind of hard to see it. Um, cause he kind of was doing stuff like, like he kind of knew what he wanted to do, but wasn't good enough to do it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, to me, like everyone says he's smart and shit. So like, I kind of assumed he'd, he'd be the type to like want to get better. Um, but yeah, just above that, just was watching him. It's like, shit, like he's kind of entering like top five shooting guard in the league conversations, you know, like, like who are you going to take Jalen Brown or Zach Levine, for example? I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like these are tough conversations. That or Chris Middleton or whoever, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think yeah. he wasn't in that tier uh, prior to this year, but now he's he's in that conversation. And the, and the Celtics need him, you know, because Kemba's hurt, Gordon Hayward's gone. Like, they actually need him, and he's he's keeping them afloat, him and Tatum. That's, like, s- slowly becoming – like, in, in three years, that might be the best duel in the league. Yeah, I think um, – and, you know, I'm biased towards Jason Tatum because St. Louis, but I think – before this season, I mean, obviously, you know, we're only seven games in, but, like, before the season, I thought, like, Tatum was, like, clearly better than Jalen Brown. Like, I think now 
if this keeps up, then obviously they're they're basically the same caliber player. Like their their numbers are pretty even. I think they're both. You maybe could give Brown the edge on defense and Tatum the edge on offense, but that kind of balances out. Um, right. Tatum's Tatum's the closer for sure. Like he's taking the last shot. Um, and I think he's a little bit better at, at creating his own shot. I think Brown has taken a lot of strides in that area, but if you ask me between the two, who do I want to go get a bucket? I'm, I'm gonna take Tatum. But yeah. real, real quick, Tatum. how many how many points? Just off the back, because I just looked it up. How many points would you guess Jalen Brown's averaging, and on what field goal percentage? Uh, he's been spazzing this year, so I'd say like at least twenty five. Um, percentage. I haven't been looking at his box score. I've just been seeing the clip. So maybe like mm, 48. This man is averaging 26.9, so basically 27 on 57% from the from the field. 57. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> 57 from the field. 42 from three. He's shooting 18 times a game, shooting 57 from the field, 42 from three. That's like prime Brian. Like, <laughs> like, like in Miami. I mean, obviously that's not going to hold up, but like yeah. the fact that he even has played eight games in a row and has put up those numbers for eight games, that one within itself is pretty amazing considering he averaged six points per game as a rookie and then 14 and 13 the two years prior before last year. Yeah, I think with Brown playing like he's playing, like if this keeps up, he's 24, Tatum's 22. Right, that's what I'm saying. Uh, like I, I was – but I was of the mindset that they, like, if they, they were bugging if they didn't trade for Harden, if that was on the table and include Brown, like Brown, I was like, all right, ship him to Houston yesterday. Like, I don't care. But yeah, no, but now, now you can't do that now. Yeah. I, I think you, can. you have two players around the same age playing at that caliber. You know, even one, who like cares which other. one is better. Yeah. It, right. it doesn't matter which one is better because you have both of them. Right. And they like each other. Yeah. Like, I would. I would 100% just keep them together and see how it comes together. I know the Boston has been like, they've been so close. Like, the year they almost beat the Cavs in game seven to go to the finals. And then it just feels like every time they get close, something happens. Like Kyrie gets hurt or Kyrie leaves or Kemba gets hurt or, you know, somebody misses the shot at when it matters, you know. So, and I still don't know if, and I don't, I don't they don't really have much room to change the roster because of Kemba's deal and um, Tatum having a big deal now and Brown. So, it kind of is what it is for the most part for the core. So I don't know if they're getting to a chip. With this not, bunch, yeah, definitely but... not this year. I mean, at this point, all their chips are on Kimba. If Kimba's healthy, then they can really compete with anybody, I, I think. I think they they could give almost anybody a run for their money. Uh, even Kimba though they're is, smaller. Huh? Kimba is what, if like, Kimba is like himself, then, then yeah, they, they go to the final this year. That's what I'm saying. But that's a big if at this point. He's, you know what I'm saying? He's got that, that uh, lingering – knee thing like Kyrie's had the knee thing so like really it's like they never even even when they had Gordon Hayward like they never really had that third consistent guy with those two to really get them over that hump but I mean yeah. Kimba's only 29 you know going like, he's way going, older than that for some reason yeah he's only 29 so it's not like impossible you know what I mean it's not like it's impossible for him to string together two or three good years here you know for you know he's got three years left on his deal including this year so it's definitely possible um, but even still, regardless of all that, like you got to ride it out. Like the only other duo with a similar trajectory that's this young, um, both at the same age, probably is probably like Jokic and Murray. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. Other than that, I can't think of another duo that's like 
both guys 26 and under 25 and under hooping at an all-star level yeah the closest one Jokic and Murray and maybe in another year Zion and Ingram will be there yeah that's true I see I didn't I didn't put Zion on my list but he needs to be discussed because I mean he's putting up those numbers and look you know I'm a big Zion fan but his defense has been so disgusting he's he is he should be way better. And part of it is not not that he's like Trey Young on defense, but he should be so much better than what he is that it makes it disgusting. But I agree that Zion and Zion and Ingram can 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 do some things together for sure. Yeah, I think people get lost in Zion because he has like the highlight blocks, you know. But right, exactly. But like play in, play out, like he don't he'd be like, you know, like what are you doing? But I don't know. You know, that that stuff kind of comes. What's your what's your last one? The last one, I mean, it's going to make you sick because, like, you know, you know what the topic is. But uh, I don't – I know we talked about the Clippers earlier. I don't really see anybody beating the Lakers this year. Like, with – like, seeing Schroeder and Trez, um, THT kind of becoming a, a role player off the bench um, – to maybe fill in for what they lost with, they're not the same kind of player, but just the production they got from, from Rondo in the minutes and Caruso still being there. And obviously LeBron and AD are still LeBron and AD. Like, I just, bar an injury or like another, like, even if they, like, if, if, if Trez isn't that great in the playoffs, like they have, they can put in Kuzma in the closing lineup, they can put in Marquise for the closing lineup. You can just leave Gasol in there for the closing lineup if they want to. Uh, so you don't have to keep him on the floor like the Clippers had to last year. Um, it was either him or Zubac. I just like unless somebody gets hurt, like I don't. It was like Paul. Like I said, Paul George is gonna have to be a top ten, maybe top seven player in the playoffs for them to beat the Lakers. I think. Yeah, and definitely. If the Clippers don't do it, then I don't like. I don't know who who is about to do it. Yeah, no, I mean, before the year – I can't even say I'm sick because before the year started, I definitely had the Lakers going back to the finals at the very minimum. I mean, I think, you know, and just, again, preseason, you know, with Spencer Dinway, I was like, the you know, maybe the Nets could just give them some run just because, like, they could outscore them, you know. Uh, they just get hot for a series, you know. Did KD and Kyrie are both putting up 35, you know, type stuff or whatever. But, like, again, just like – and that that's kind of reaching in a, in a certain sense. Like, the Lakers definitely have the best roster. I mean, they've been sleepwalking – through these games and just like are barely winning, but just, you know, that's all they need to do is win. Like who cares? They're not winning by a lot, but they're clearly not like AD and LeBron are clearly not trying their hardest like throughout the game. Like you can like clearly see it. Especially, like they kind of take turns like, all right, like this quarter, I'm not going to really do too much. Like you got it and so on and so forth. Like, and they, and they can do that. They've already won. They already know what to do. They already know how to do it. Like they're, they're deep enough to where like their bench can kind of not be awful you know, they can give it to Schroeder every once in a while. It's like, here, just run a pick and roll and do something or give it to mm-hmm. Kuzma every once in a while. Like, here, try and do something. Um, no, no, I can't even – I can't really disagree with you. Like, I think the Clippers, like I said, are probably still the second-best team. The Nuggets took a step back. Um, so, I can't even really count them in the West. You know, um, the Jazz, I mean, I don't think – they're not even built really. You know, Gobert can't, can't guard either of them, and they have to have him on the court. Donovan Mitchell's not there yet. So I can't even say them. I'm I'm just trying to roll through the West teams who, other than the Clippers. I don't think the Mavs are there yet. Um, they still need a you know I mean, they need Porzingis, let alone a third guy to do something to really be serious. Um, yeah. You know, we talked about the Suns. 
you know, they're, they're, they, they need another big guy for sure. Like a big wing or something like for defensive purposes um, to really do something. So, yes, I don't know. I mean, maybe if they ran, like, ran against them to the wrong team in the East, you know, like maybe the Nets, you know, maybe the Bucks. you know, I mean, these are big maybes, you know, just because they each have one player who can be as good as LeBron or AD and then mm-hmm. hope that their role, their role guys kind of step up more than the Lakers role guys. But like, like these are these are losing battles for Laker haters everywhere. Losing yeah. losing battle, uphill battle. And I thought the thing like I was I was thinking going into the season that their defense would take a step back, losing Dwight, um, losing some of the losing Danny Green. Dwight um, but he, they, but like I was gonna say, it really has like they're like I think they're top five in defense right now. Mark, Marcus Allen's just as good as Dwight. Huh? So Marcus Allen is just as good as Dwight, if not better. Than Dwight Angel. Yeah, he's just slow. That's all. And like not I mean, athletic, but he's I mean, a yeah, defender. It's for his 20 minutes, he's giving you great 15 to 20 minutes. And he plays yeah. great with LeBron. That's high. And, that's high basketball. And then he's, like, he's like the Rondo of centers. His basketball IQ is so high. Yeah. And I didn't know that Schroeder was a defender like that. Like picking up. Oh, yeah, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. He was just yeah, on a bad yeah. team in Atlanta when he first got drafted. So, like, he kind of had that, like, eh, whatever. Like, he was – they weren't playing for shit. But even last year when he was on OKC, like, in the playoffs, like, he was doing – he was was doing his thing. Like, he picks up people full court. Like, like as soon as they got, got Schroeder, I was like, yeah, that's 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 a sneaky-ass pickup. Like, that's – other than Christian Wood, like, that was the best pickup of the offseason. Yeah. And looking at the East, like, yeah. that, damn, uh, stylistically um, – like I can see where like the Bucks might be annoying for them just because they play that weird defense where they basically let you shoot threes. And like if you're gonna choose something for the Lakers offensively, like you, even though they've gotten better shooting wise, you still prefer them shooting like LeBron and AD going crazy in the paint. So like, yeah, the, the Bucks Lakers at have least a couple. Have yeah, the, the Lakers have a couple cold nights on from three. Like the Bucks could like push them to six, I think. Or even the Nets, like with you know KD or Kyrie are both spazzing in a game and just going crazy. Um, I just don't see anybody beating them far an injury in the seven game series. And um, it's not to the point where it's like when the Warriors had KD, of course, like where it was just like, all right, man, like it's, it's really, it's, it's kind of almost on point watching it because they're going to win. But uh, it seems it's cool. like, yeah, it's, it's, it's close. Like it's kind of like, Something's gonna have to happen for them not to win. Yeah, like no, definitely. It would have to be an injury or LeBron just like gets old overnight or something, and is like not, you know what I mean? It's like it just isn't moving the same or something because he's thirty-seven or something. You know what I mean? Like something right. that's like just totally just kind of like out of your hands type thing. Just in terms yeah. of just like our best versus your best, like no one's best is coming is is gonna match the Lakers this year. Yeah, and I know he has two top five players on his roster, but. I think Frank Vogel is a better coach than I thought he was from his Pacers days. Um, yeah. He's about as good as I thought he was. I never thought he was awful or anything. Like, you know, he, he was always co- competent. Like, he was always defensive first. Um, I mean, again, I, I guess some people were saying player. that he was a liability. So, I mean, I will say that. Like, some people definitely were saying he's a liability and that that was a bad hire. Like, there are, def- there are definitely takes out there of that. So, I don't want to say that, like, it was as obvious, but – 
I guess personally, like it was like, yeah, you know, as long as, you know, LeBron has never won with elite coaches. Like you just need someone competent, like just like, you know what I'm saying? Just do what you're supposed to do. Like Ty Lue was cool. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Eric Spolster. I think Spolster was. But he not, wasn't yet. But when he, he won coach. at the time in 2012, he was cool. He evolved into a great coach. But back then he wasn't nothing amazing. I mean, LeBron wanted him fired after the first year. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like people forget that LeBron was demanding that he get fired. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, Spolster evolved into a great coach, but when he won with LeBron back to back, he was you know average. He he never sucked, but he was average. And that's how yeah. I kind of feel about Frank Vogel. Like, he's cool. Yeah, I'm not saying he's a great coach. I just didn't know if he was like a finals winning coach. But yeah, I guess when you have. Top five players it makes it easier. I guess no, like, you know, like the bar's low. The bar's low. He he, yeah, he, he hit the bar very low bar. Palinka probably deserves more credit than than Vogel does. Is weird. That's true. I'm gonna it. say if anyone if anyone got prematurely and undeservedly slandered, it was Palinka. I mean, granted, a lot of that was Magic Johnson's fault for basically throwing him under the bus. So let's not act like it just came out of nowhere. If anything, it was Laker on Laker crime. But regardless. I mean, outside of some somewhat iffy moves, like a lot of his moves have been pretty solid, you know, especially this offseason. Um, I mean, the, his two biggest moves were any, any, anyone could have went in there and signed – like he, did, he didn't do anything to sign LeBron. LeBron said, I want to play for the Lakers, and he said, okay. You know, right. like <laughs> – so he didn't, like, get LeBron. And then the AD thing was kind of – like, Plinka didn't pull some fast one to get AD. Like, that was kind of orchestrated outside of his powers. He's like, oh, like, LeBron can get me AD. All right, like, have everything, everything that I can offer you, which is all my picks and, like, all my good young players except for one. It's, okay, then we got AD. So, like – but he, like, around those two things, like, building the team, like, signing Dwight, getting Rondo, uh, he drafted THT. Um, you know, and then all the stuff this year, like he he definitely has done good things as well. So, um, and I didn't think he was capable of doing like those kind of like under the radar type moves that he's that he's ended up doing. Yeah, Shit, we're we're grand too much. We're gonna you got to bring up the last take. All right, fuck fuck the Lakers. No more Laker talk. Um, <laughs> I didn't I didn't I was talking about forty five seconds positively on the Lakers. I'm about to edit that part out. Um. Number five, what's my last thing? Oh, this is my last thing. And it's very fitting and also very disgusting as this is my last thing. It's about the Spurs. And it's just about just how sick the, they make me as I watch them and watch the roster that they've constructed. I mean, we're going to be very brief on this because I don't want to rain on the Spurs. But there's no way in 2020 that there should be a team that relies on LaMarcus Aldridge as much as they do. As a 36-year-old man who is on the brink of being washed, if not washed, but he is the only reliable player that they have over 6-7 to do anything uh, offensively or defensively on a consistent basis. You know, they re-signed Jakob Podol for three years, $27 million, which to me, I, I would have I signed him for $9. I don't think he's good. I mean, he's okay. Like, he, like, he doesn't do anything. Like, he's just tall and block shots every once in a while. And that's really it. Like he looks, he, he looks like me of a uh, Tiago splitter. Yeah, yes, he's like Tiago splitter basically. But like in 2020, that's way worse. At least when Tiago splitter was playing, he kind of fit into like the style of play. Like Pearl can't, he can't do anything. Like I haven't seen him take a dri- more than two dribbles in a row ever because he can't. 
And like, I've never seen him shoot a shot outside the paint because he can't, but he also doesn't have post moves either. So like, and he also isn't athletic enough to dunk on people. So I don't, so he's, I don't even know him, but he is, you know, at least, I mean, he's a backup center, but they're paying him $9 million, whatever. Um, they don't have any power forwards. They have zero power forwards in the whole team. Uh, unless you want to count Rudy Gay as a power forward, who has been stealing money for two years now. Um, he just, he's making like $14 million a year to do what? I, I don't know. He's like, he's basically Carmelo Anthony. There's no difference between Rudy Gay and Carmelo Anthony. They're like the same size, same weight. They play the same. They kind of shoot. They may, every once in a while, they have a hot night. And defensively, I mean, he's about as good as Enos Cantor. He is awful. And, the, and the, the team's so bad when Aldridge got hurt, they had to play Rudy Gay at backup center because they don't have any size. They, all they have is guards. I mean, the guards are cool. Don't get me wrong. Like DeRozan, Derek White, Lonnie Walker, uh, DeJounte Murray. Like that's a very good nucleus of guards. But then, so then what do you do? They just, they draft another guard. They draft uh, Vassal, who's cool. But, dude, he doesn't even play. Like when everyone's healthy, he doesn't even play, especially when you consider they still have Patty Mills, who actually who was pretty good. Shout out to Patty, eight threes against the Clippers and beat them. Um, but it's just like I don't, just don't I just don't understand division. I don't because uh, at this point I think they're gonna resign Demar, which I don't mind. I actually I don't mind Demar, but they just have no power forward. They have no center. I just like and at this point every good team has a good center or a good big of some sort. So yeah, I, I just don't, I, it just it just it just makes me disgusted because I think if they actually had a legitimate big or two bigs like with the guards they have and with Keldon Johnson on the wing like they they would have a nucleus to actually be a legitimate playoff team yeah I think outside of you know trading Kawhi for like a bag of chips like I think the Aldridge contract like the extension that was like what set them back the most because it's like even like and it's not that Aldridge is like a bad player like he's still averaging around 20 points when he's healthy but why are you paying him fifty million? Not fifty million a year, but fifty million overall. Instead of like trying to go get somebody else at this, because you know he's going, he's not getting better. Like he's going to get worse. Yeah, I don't know. They just love status quo shit. I don't really know because he doesn't really fit with the team. Like the team wants to play really fast. You know, like like Murray and White. Like they all play defense. They all force turnovers. They play fast. And then yeah. like he doesn't really fit. You know, like they they had they didn't even play him with the bubble, and they were better with him without him in the bubble last year. So now he comes back, and but they need him so badly that, you know, he's like the only person with any type of size around the rim to do something consistently. Um, you know, Poto can do that, but, like, he's giving you zero on offense, so it negates anything good he does on defense. Uh, so, like, and then you look at the the draft pick. Again, like, Vassal is, is pretty decent. Like, he can shoot and everything. Like, he's cool. Mm-hmm. But, like, I wish they would have taken uh, Prince, the dude that the Heat ended up taking. Uh, I would have loved for them to just take him instead. So yeah. I don't know. That was that was all, the, that was my uh, only thing. I don't know the Spurs. They'll they'll be around the playing game. They'll be around that area. My last thing with them is like, like you were saying, they have a ton of guards, and I think ideally their like starting backcourt slash wing rotation would be like Dejounte at point, Keldon Johnson at the two, and then Demar at the three. Right. I mean, ideally yeah. at this point, it would be. Probably DeJounte at the one, Derek White at the two, uh, DeMar at the three, Kellen Johnson at the four. Is as, as currently right now, that's their best lineup for sure. It's Kellen Johnson. Johnson. Huh? He's like what, six seven? Yeah, he's four? like six seven. That's what I'm saying. Like he's small, but he's their best option. And he's and he's pretty strong. Like he plays pretty strong. So it's not like he's I'm, gonna push around and he's athletic. But like even still, like 
you don't really want him there, but they have no choice. He's that's their best yeah. lineup. No, I'm saying like if you did have a power forward, like you would prefer him. Oh, if being... you had a yeah, if you had a power forward, then Keldon Johnson would probably be the sixth man, and I think they would probably still want to start Derek White. Okay. The, well, like, I, just from watching them, like, and I know Keldon is like he has he doesn't have as many as much time. I think like I would like he looks like he has more upside to me than Derek White, which is why I have the issue with the Derek White contract because I'm like. I, like it's not really about Derek White not being good. It's just Keldon looks like he may be better right now, and he's gonna get better. Oh yeah, no, maybe not. Like, that's definitely true. But I don't think that they play similar positions to where that they're in a clash or anything. I think the problem is is that they have Derek White, Dejounte, and then Lonnie Walker isn't really getting the right burn that I think he deserves. And then on top of that, then they drafted Vassal. And they have Patty Mills. Yeah. So it's not even Keldon Johnson. Because I think Keldon Johnson is more of a three, four type than a two anyway. With DeMar, I, I don't I, I don't mind that. But they have like five guys at the one or the two, and you really only play like three. Yeah. And that's that's why that's, that's one of the main thing is like you have so many guards that y'all would be way better, especially with artists coming out the books. Just take that that Derek White money and artist money and go get you a cold ass like four or five. I mean, and you would like, think, but like, who's? I mean, but like, who's gonna really? Who's gonna take? I'd especially to Aldridge. At this point, at this point, Aldridge is has no more value. Like, he's just gonna run out of his deal, and then I don't know. Maybe they'll. Well, this maybe is, he'll just this retire. Year, right? Huh? Isn't this his last year? Yeah, this is last year. This year, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Like yeah. at this point, it is what it is. Like, there's no there's nowhere to trade him. But I agree to your point. Like, especially if you're gonna draft Vassal, then trade Derek White. Or trade someone and get a bit, you know what I'm saying? Get a guard, trade a guard for a forward. Uh, that's, I don't understand. I, I don't. I, I'm not seeing the vision. No, I have one. I have one bonus uh, take. So, or point, I guess. Um, here's a quick shout out. Uh, so we had a story run today. Jeremy Grant from the Pistons. Like he basically, like he took the, he left the Nuggets to take the big deal with the Pistons. Um, and he, like, openly said, like, one of the big reasons why he went to Detroit was, like, because it's a black coach, black GM, and black city. So, flew to Jeremy Grant. Oh, I didn't know that. I just thought, I just thought he wanted to shoot the ball more. Well, yeah, that. I mean, I'm obviously making $80 million or whatever he got. In, you know, I mean, but and the Nuggets were offering pretty similar money. I seriously thought that he just wanted to go there because he could shoot more. I didn't know that he cared about the black coach, black GM thing. No, nah, like, he, like, in a story – um our our business writer wrote like he said like no nah, that's like that made it like super attractive to come here um that's cool i, I hope the, D, the, the detroit gm is good you yeah. know because he's got he's made some questionable decisions so far but you know i'm not gonna slander him um you know for the very reason of uh given everything going on and now now it's not the time to be slandering yeah, whatever what joint uh you know like <laughs> Like, especially, especially if you didn't plumb me, bro. It'd be one thing if they just didn't spend the money. But like, geez, That's what like, I'm saying. Like, you, bro, you had Christian Wood, and they didn't – it's like they just let him walk. They didn't, it's not like they didn't really try that hard to keep him. That's the thing. And then they're like, you know what, we're just going to replace him Mason Plumlee. We'll be fine. Yeah, I'm like, imagine what? a front court with Grant, Wood, and Blake. That's what I'm saying. And then they had an awful draft pick. They drafted Killian Hayes, who looks fucking garbage. No, that French, that French man, he looks just fucking awful. Oh, my God. He's averaging, like, two points per game. And they still start him over Derrick Rose, which I get because, you know, development and all that other shit. But, like, 
dude, Tyron Halliburton was right there. Yeah. Uh, hey, man, I, I cannot good. stress enough how bad Killian Hayes has been so far. You're messing up the good vibes, bro. Come on. Let's fly. <laughs> bro, I'm just saying, like, but that no, this is goes to show you how much restraint I have right now. Bro, Killian Hayes is averaging four points per game on 28% shooting. Yeah, that's and, and now he's out indefinitely with the torn hip. I mean, that doesn't necessarily make the pick worse, but it's like Damn, he can't even improve. He can't even try and build off of shit right now because he's hurt on time. That's how he started the season. Yeah, he, like I didn't really know. I'll be honest, I didn't know who he was on draft night until they like did the. Like I, I think I'd heard his name before, but I didn't really like. I never watched him. Like I didn't know. Yeah, no, I mean he was. He, like, he, was. Played, he played in France, so it's not like it's not like I was like, oh, he's gonna suck on draft night, but like. We're two weeks into the season, and it already looks like an awful pick because you can look at Tyron Halliburton on the Kings and immediately be like, okay, like he's good. And he got drafted 12th, and he's also a point guard. Yeah. So it's not it's not even like on Killian Hayes, it's just like there was a better player that you clearly passed on for a worse player, regardless of Killian Hayes or not. Like you just yeah. made a piss poor decision. So it but we'll see. When it's like immediately apparent too. Yeah, like, this is like immediate, like immediate. This is like, oh my God. I mean, we'll see. Killing Hayes is super is like one of the youngest guys. So like at this point, your only hope is just like he just develops, you know what I'm saying, over time. But yeah, no, it's it's I hope he doesn't go out sad. Uh any any uh any final plugs, thoughts, tell people to to start just to subscribe to you on the athletic. Uh yeah. I'll 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 push our so we started a new culture vertical on the athletic where we kind of write about stuff adjacent to sports. So race, social justice, music, fashion, shoes, uh, movies, like just anything in that kind of umbrella. Um, and like with the Raiders season being over, I'm probably gonna be start doing more stuff in that lane. Um, so definitely come over and check it out and subscribe. I feel that. My favorite part about that was when someone, when that first dropped, if someone describes it as like you're writing uh like right wing stories or something like that and someone was like can we please take politics out of this that was my that was my favorite part about that whole drop um you know because they were saying right wing is like uh just like off the beaten path like you said but then like someone's like oh like we don't need policy politics in our reporting and that's the hilarious thing was like when they dropped like all the comments were like oh why can't you guys just write about sports and like because they automatically jumped to like oh this is a black thing Right, yeah, this like, is a even, Black Lives Matter, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's, right. it's still yeah, about sports. Included, yeah, don't get me wrong, it's in there, but it's not all that it is. But, like, people are telling on themselves by doing it. But, like, regardless of those people, there's always going to be those people, but, like, we're doing some dope shit over there. I just did, a, like, a profile on Conway the Machine recently. I'm planning some more stuff soon, so. Hey, screenshot that I can read it. Boy, I, I, I literally send you a free, like, like it is free. And that shit's fake free. That shit's not really free. Anything that you have to put your credit card information in is not free. All you have to do is on day 28. All right, man. I'm going to have to roll that, man. They asked me for a lot. I'll I'll think about it. When Giannis gets one, I'll get one. It was literally a dollar for a year, and you still didn't do it. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot. I swore I was going to do it. I definitely forgot. That's all right. There's always next Black Friday. Yeah, all right. All right, man. Appreciate you. All right, bro. Appreciate you having me on. Yes, sir. A two to tie. Michigan 
have to bring it. Oh, he walked. He walked in. The referee missed it. Weber brings it into the front court. They have no timeouts remaining. Oh, he calls it too many timeouts. That's a technical foul. He called a timeout. Michigan doesn't have any. He got by with a walk, and Jimmy calls a technical. He calls a timeout. He doesn't realize that's Michigan's too many, and so it'll be a technical foul. North Carolina shooting and the ball. A huge mental mistake. Mental mistake. Mental mistake.